Keys of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. I am Becca Kephart, back with another feature interview episode. And y'all, I had the most delightful conversation with Kelsey Brackle. Shout out and a thank you to Jane for helping set up this interview. You might remember from last week's podcast, we talked about how Kelsey had a thousand rated round at a C tier out in Michigan last weekend. And she took second place in MA1. And, and Kelsey frequently competes in the MA divisions. And she's currently 942 rated, but has always maintained her amateur status. And you'll get to find out why those things are. So really, really great interview. Um, But before we get there, a few housekeeping things and tournament recaps to talk about. So hey, y'all, happy June. We have made it to June, which means it's time for our May Patreon giveaway. I'm going to give away a shirt. And the random.org winner of that shirt was Margaret N. So if you would like to be entered into our Patreon giveaways each month, literally all you have to do is give at least a dollar a month. And you can do that by searching for Ladies of the Chains on patreon.com or you can visit our website ladiesofthechains.com and click on the support button. Just make sure to set your monthly limit for that to whatever you want it to be. And we're also selling our shirts and hats and minis again uh, online. And you can go to the website and click on the button to find that. So, hey, wanted to make y'all aware of the upcoming all women's tournaments that we have going on this upcoming weekend. There's still room in all of them if you want to sign up. Uh, so register quickly though, because registration will be closing soon. So we've got Disc Girls Gone Wild in Michigan, and that's taking place June 8th and 9th. And then next Sunday, June 9th in Virginia is the Queens of the Creek. And uh, also on June 9th is Women Crush Wilco in Texas. So if you're in those areas or can get to those areas, definitely check out those tournaments. So let's talk about the action from this weekend. Let's start with the La Nina Open in Washington State. This was a really exciting tournament. So in round one, Missy Gannon and Callie McMorrin both shot their first unofficial 1002 rated rounds. And then Missy followed up in round two with a 10-15 rated round. But Sarah Hokum shot 12 under, and that's currently an unofficial 10-39 rated round. And if that holds, that'll be uh, Sarah's highest rated round ever. And she took the lead after, or actually, no, she didn't take the lead after round two. I'm sorry. She and Missy were then tied headed into going into uh, round three. And in round two, want to give a shout out to Haley Keene. She also had a thousand four rated round that round. So in round three, Missy Gannon shot a 991 rated eight under par. So that means Missy shot thousand two, thousand fifteen, nine ninety one, pretty good. But Sarah Hokum shot a 10 under par round three, 10, 14 rated round to take the win by two strokes. So just seems like it was a really, really good time. Um, and yeah, great shooting, everybody. And I want to give shout outs to all the other winners at the La Nina Open. So an FP40, Jody Dixon, FP50, Leslie Younger, FA1, Allegra Archer, FA40, Sherry Barlett, FA50, Nancy Morgan, FA2, Don Arn, FA3, Abby Pittenger, FJ18, Madison Hammonds, FJ15, Stormy Richmond, F10, sorry, FJ10, Sierra Griffiths, and FJ8, Jordan Lynn. 
There was also an all-women's event out in Virginia, the Rollin' on the River, and FPO was won by Kristen Parsley, FP40, Wendy Botcher, FA1, Beth Kimball, FA40, Susan Kelly, FA2, Jillian Ernest, and FA3, Sarah Wilson. There was also a couple A-tiers of note. There was the Swedish Open in Sweden, and Sophie B won. And please, somebody, maybe just email me a voice recording of how to say Sophie's last name, because she is playing awesome. She's won every tournament this year that she's played in FPO. The only tournament she hasn't won is one that she just played straight up in Open, and she still like took ninth place in the middle of the pack. So shout out to Sophie. That's awesome. Uh, Wibke Jean from Germany took second, and then Soli M took third. I think I need to learn some Swedish. Maybe I could just go to Sweden and learn how to say these names. I'd really like to be able to pronounce them better. So my apologies, but fantastic stuff. All right. And then at Tennessee States. So after a playoff, Elaine King took the win over Heather Yun. And Heather Yun is an upcoming player from Tennessee. I've heard uh, Sarah Lamberson talk about her on PGA Radio. And I think there was some coverage she was on last year, too. So Heather, shout out to Heather Yun. She played well above her rating um, to go into that playoff with Elaine, which is really neat. And then uh, Ellen Widboom took third place. All right. So we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, my conversation with Kelsey Brackle. Ladies First Disc Golf is the most comprehensive retailer for women's disc golf needs. With over 50 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook, listen to what their customers have to say. Carla C. says this is the place to shop when wanting to get something special for the disc golfing ladies you know. The superior customer service, ability to quickly make custom orders, product knowledge, and utter kindness shown to all makes this a standout company. If you are looking for stylish and comfortable disc golf apparel and discs for women disc golfers of all skill levels, Ladies First Disc Golf has your needs covered. For Ladies of the Chains listeners, we're offering an exclusive 20% off discount on your next order of $19 or more. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com and use code LOTC20 at checkout. Kelsey, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thanks for having me. I really... uh, don't know how this works so awesome I just ask questions and you say things I think that's how it works I only sort of know how this works too to be honest (laughs) we're all just making it up as we go along anyway (laughs) so what what is your disc golf origin story how'd you first come to disc golf um so my dad started playing disc golf uh when he was a very young man kind of before baskets were invented back when they were just throwing frisbees at trees in the park. Um, and he and his brother played a lot. I guess maybe that was like the 70s. Oh, wow. Um, and so um, when he and my mom got together, he got my mom starting to play, and then they had children, and my father decided that uh, life would be overall better if his entire family was playing disc golf uh, rather than him running off to disappear three or four times a week to play disc golf by himself. Sure. Um, And so I, like, started playing in the sense that I was wandering around next to the basket in the backyard and getting hit with frisbees (laughs) while my father was trying to practice putting. (laughs) But I was, you know, old enough to walk. And then um, once I was old enough to actually throw a frisbee, he was taking me and eventually my sister also out to play with him. So I've been, like, playing forever, kind Mm. of. and I think 
gosh. I probably played my first tournament when I was like 10. Wow. That yeah. seems right. Yeah. 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 Looking back on your uh, record on PDGA.com, it looked like you'd been playing for a long time and had played as a junior. So yeah. that's. That's really cool. So what is what is disc golf to you then? Since you've played it, you know, your entire life pretty much, was it something that you were always into or has it kind of come and gone for you? It's definitely like evolved over the course of my sure. life for me, like my relationship with it. Because when I was little, you know, I wasn't particularly interested in playing necessarily mm. I was predominantly motivated by the fact that my father would like pay me in jelly beans for every <laughs> hole that I completed. <laughs> and so it was less like, yay, I love playing disc golf and more, yay, I love jelly beans. And right. This is what it takes to get them. <laughs> um, and then like, as I got older, it became the thing that we did as a family. You know, it was like, I don't actually have a good sense of what families do for fun sure. as a unit. Uh, but the thing that we did was play disc golf. And so like our family vacations revolved around disc golf courses. My dad would be like, okay, so, uh, we're going to go to, to Disney world. And on the way, we're going to play these six <laughs> different courses in six different States. And, and, uh, you know, we'll definitely go to Disney world, but also we're going to play a lot of disc golf. And then like, as we got older, Disney world became less of a thing and it sure. just turned into playing disc golf on family vacations. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I guess, when I went to college, it was like my disc golfing was no longer subsidized by mm. my family. <laughs> right. I, it had to be like my own thing, you know? It wasn't like I could go play a tournament whenever I wanted because my parents would pay my entry fee. It right. became a, yeah. if you want to do this thing, it's it's got to be your thing. Yeah. Um, and so when I, when I got to college, it was kind of, there was a course that I could bike to off mm. of campus that I would go play occasionally, but mostly it was like, I realized that I, I still really wanted to be able to, like, get out and do stuff that was, like, active and outside. Um, and so I was, I was like, doing a lot of field work, basically, mm. in college um, during the school year. And uh, then by the time I got to veterinary school, it was just, like, my way to decompress. Like, sure. uh, when I was, you know, done with an exam or when I had finished a particularly unpleasant batch of uh, school work, I would just like drive out to the course and play a couple rounds by myself. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's just like, now that I actually don't have school anymore and mm. I have free time, I am playing all the time. So it's become, it's definitely turned into something from, it started out with my parents, like shepherd being me along a little yeah. bit. And now it's just something that's like a thing that I do on my own Yeah, for sure. I will say I, I teach music for a living. So I teach um, like group guitar classes, especially. And uh -huh. I will, I will absolutely bribe my students with candy. Like it's the great motivator. Yeah, it it works. Like kids. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, yeah. It was incredibly motivating right? for baby Kelsey. Like, <laughs> so there's our pro parenting tip and teaching tip of the week. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you mentioned college and, and looking back through your record there, it looked like you did a little bit of collegiate disc golf. Did your school have a team or did you just kind of compete in the college tournaments as you could while you were there? Um, a, a little bit of both. So um, my school had a 
kind of a team okay. while I was in veterinary school. Mm-hmm. So in undergrad, um, I went to a conservative Christian, very small conservative Christian type school mm-hmm. for undergrad and uh, disc golf really wasn't part. The disc golf culture and the scholastic culture there were not the same. Sure. Um, so there wasn't any disc golf happening there. But when I got to veterinary school at Michigan State, there was a campus course at the time, and there was also like a, a little club going on, and I kind of got hooked up with that. Um, and I, in the sense that we had a team, I was on the team. Mm. One year we had shirts. That's kind of like something a team would do. (laughs) (laughs) It was mostly just like those of us who were willing to slack off on our studies enough to go play the collegiate qualifying tournament called ourselves a team. (laughs) And like, you know, there were maybe, I think, like something like 20 people in the club, but we could only ever round up about four people at a time to go play a collegiate qualifier. Um, And we qualified one year and didn't go to collegiate we qualified another year and everybody was like yeah we're going to go to collegiate it's going to be great and then sort of like the day when registration was due everybody else on my team such as it was was like "Mm, well that's when finals are I should probably study. I don't think I'm going to go. And I was like, guys, no. (laughs) We can go. So I ended up going by myself and just uh, kind of, I played, I think I played like the singles events and then I got hooked up with a bunch of other girls who came without women teams in order Mm. to play the the doubles events. But right on. Yeah. yeah, My, my, my collegiate disc golf career was uh, brief and small. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what it looked like. So that makes more sense. That's awesome. So kind of the big question is you are very highly rated (laughs) and you have retained your amateur status all this time. Can you talk about why you've remained amateur and haven't uh, done a professional status? Yeah. um, So when I was kind of uh, getting a little bit to the point where I wasn't really playing juniors anymore and I started moving into, like, the M women's division. Maybe that was when I was, like, 14 or something like that. Um, the M women's division in Michigan was pretty small at the time because that would have been back in, like, the mid-2000s. And uh, the pro women's division was even smaller back then. Um and it quickly became like if you were going to play, you know, advanced women or something, it was the same two or three people coming to every tournament, and you kind of knew how it was going to shake out, you know? Yeah. Like, you could you could basically, like, predict how the tournament was going to go by just looking at everybody's ratings mm-hmm. before the tournament started. Um, and so it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like uh, super competitive, you know? Right. Like, we were going out there and we were having fun, but it wasn't like, you were really, like, uh, competing against other people, per se, because it was such a small division, and there was a pretty, like, disparity in terms of skill level. Um, And so I wasn't really enjoying it that much anymore. And my father was really keen on me not bailing on disc golf because that was, like, the linchpin on which all of his family vacation plans hinged. And if his daughter stopped liking disc golf, then he was doomed. And so... um, when I stopped really enjoying playing tournaments in the women's division because the division was so small, he's like, well, why don't you go play in the, like, rec men's division? Because you won't come in last, 
and the division's really big, and you'll have a lot of people to compete against. And uh, Tiny Kelsey thought that was a terrifying concept <laughs> I'm sure. because they're all these grown men, and I was like a 15-year-old girl. And he's like, no, no, you'll, be, you'll have fun. Like, you know some of these people, some of these people you've known since you were a baby. Like, it'll be great. And so I, I played a couple of tournaments in recommend, and I had a lot of fun. Mm. And um, then I just kept doing it because yeah. I was enjoying it a lot. And so, um, like, the, the women's division since then, obviously, has grown a mm. ton. And now there's a lot of women. And so mm. I think if I had been, like, coming up at this point mm. in, like, disc golf's growth as a sport, maybe it would be different. But because that's kind of where I started, now it's like all my friends are playing in the men's divisions mm-hmm. for the most part because that's where I've been for a long time. Um, and I don't know. It's yeah. there's If I stay amateur, I get to go do things like play Am Nationals. Mm-hmm. I get to play amateur world doubles with my dad still, which I really like to oh, do. Cool. Yeah. Um, whereas if I go pro, you know, there's, there's still the option as long as I have a rating below, I forget, what is it, like 965 or something. There's yeah. the pros playing Am role, but... Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to play on nationals. I wouldn't be able to yeah. play world doubles with my dad. And so, um, yeah, I just, I don't need to go pro yeah. because I've got options, you know, like I have fun playing in the men's division and so I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've just never bothered. Plus it's a more expensive PDGA membership right. every year. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. That's really cool. So let's talk a little bit about last weekend. So was that your first thousand rated round ever? I think so, but I am truly not sure. I had, I played Worlds one year and had a round come in unofficial at a thousand. Okay, but I feel like when they actually like got the official rounds in, it was like nine ninety or something. Yeah, yeah, I think I saw that. It, yeah, it's the first uh, thousand rated round that I remember mm. as and feel like was legit. <laughs> right on. So, can you talk a little bit about that round, about that tournament, what the course was like? Yeah, so um, it's up at the Mason County courses, which are in Ludington, which is in northern Michigan. Um, and they've got three courses on that property. Um, one of them's called The Beast, and the other one's called Leviathan. And those courses basically play backwards of each other. So, uh, like, 17's basket on Beast is one's basket on Leviathan, kind of like that. Um, and then there's Beauty. And so Beast and Leviathan are kind of, like, wide open up and down, rolling hills, really, really pretty, uh, but you have to be able to throw kind of far. Um, and then Beauty is this tiny little baby course in the woods. Um, and so we played We played our first round at, on Leviathan, and uh, it's not a course that caters to my skill set <laughs> in that I cannot throw far. <laughs> um, and so I did pretty mediocre out there. Um, but then Beauty is just like a course that's made for me because mm. – it's the great equalizer, right? Like the, the holes are like 200 feet, mm. maximum of 300 feet in the woods and super technical. And so mm. you don't have to be able to throw far. You just have to be able to throw in a straight line. <laughs> sure. And so, um, I don't know. I've been going up there and playing those courses since I was a kid. Mm. And uh, I really love them. Mm. Um, it was definitely, I had no idea what a, a good round was going to be on beauty. Sure. I assumed that you would have to shoot like 15 down in order to be competitive because there's a, there's a ton of birdies out there. Sure. It's a 24 hole course and most of the holes are short. Mm. 
And so I was just like, well, I don't know what I should be doing out here. I'll just try and get as many birdies I can find. And that turned out to be like a a good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, I feel like it's normally a good strategy. Sure, it doesn't really matter sure. what course you're playing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, I was just kind of going out there and having a good time. And yeah. <laughs> so you're signed up for next weekend, the United States Disc Golf Amateur Championship. And it looked like this isn't the first time you've played this tournament. You've played it before. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about playing that tournament? For those that don't know, it's it's set up just like uh, USDGC that it's one division, but anybody can play it. But there's typically not a lot of women there. And I, and you could tell me, I don't know if, if there's any other women that you've encountered uh, at this tournament. So can you talk a little just about the tournament itself and yeah. then also being the probably only girl? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a super cool tournament. Um, it's been going on for quite a while. And they play it at the toboggan course, which is um, I got some fame and recognition last year when right. Paul McBeth got his 18 down out there. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's always at that course every year. Um, and you have, you have to qualify in order to play Amnats and there's different ways to qualify. You can play a qualifying event and come in the top percentage of the advanced men's division mm-hmm. at a qualifying event. Um, and they also have qualification like invitation sent out based on ratings. So they take mm. a certain percentage of um, all PDGA amateurs, mm. like the top, I don't remember what percentage it is, mm. but um, usually the rating comes in right around 950. If you're usually, if you're like 950 yeah. rated or higher, you get an invitation. Um, and I like desperately wanted to play it when mm. I was a kid because mm. I thought it'd be super cool to play. Um, and we, it's, it's on a course that's pretty close to where my parents live, and so we went out there a lot just to watch people throwing up and down the, the giant sledding hill yeah. um, when I was little. And so it was like a, a bucket list item for me when I was a kid. Um, and I tried to qualify a couple times at qualifying events um, before I actually like succeeded in that endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a couple of the times I've played it, I've gotten an invite by playing a qualifying event a couple times I've gotten an invite by having a rating that was high enough yeah um but it's super fun it's again not a course that plays to my strengths Mm. because it's open and long and uh plays up and down giant hills but it's such a fun course and uh the tournament's awesome like Mm. it's it's a it's a major, and so it's like really high caliber event, and it's one of the only opportunities where like you as an amateur get to feel like kind of like you're a professional, yeah. you know, like you're yeah. you're being treated like a big kid. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the people who run it are amazing; they do mm-hmm. such a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and the course is always super beautiful. There's like spotters out on all of the blind holes, and they give you food like constantly, and there's snacks everywhere this is a very high priority for me as a a (laughs) poor student is finding free food and it's just great go to a course and be like we'll give you breakfast when you show up for your tea time and then we'll give you lunch when you're done with your round and then there will be a player's dinner (laughs) this is the real reason i like to play on national (laughs) everywhere. 
but no, it's a, it's a great tournament. Um, uh-huh. and so even though like I usually do pretty poorly there, uh-huh. I try and go every time I can because uh-huh. it's, it's an experience. Like it's yeah. not just playing a tournament. It's truly an experience. Mm, that's so cool. So tell us a little bit about what you throw, like what discs do you throw? Do you throw one brand and maybe just a little bit about your game? Are you backhand dominant, forehand dominant, things like that? I um, am right hand, backhand only. Okay. I have no forehand game whatsoever. Huh. I okay. feel like uh, I could probably like improve significantly if mm. I would bother to learn a forehand. Mm. Um, I've, I've just never had it as a shot. I've got a turnover that sure. muddles along, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I'm not like, I don't have a lot of brand loyalty. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of discraft in my bag cause I grew up in Michigan. Sure. Right. And right. so just all, that's all that's up there. Mm. Um, I throw only 150 drivers. Mm. Um, again, not that strong. Mm. Um, and, uh, it was what I it was what I was throwing when I was a kid. You know, it's sure. like what I was started on. I just never changed. I don't do a lot of adapting my game. Mm. Really, like once I get into like finding a frisbee I like, I just keep throwing it until mm. they stop making it, mm. and then I keep throwing it for another ten years because I have a stockpile <laughs> of them in my closet. <laughs> so that's always super fun when I'm yeah. playing with my buddies. And they're, you know, picking up your disc and handing it to you, and they're like, uh, what is a 150Z Talon? And I'm like, well, it's a disc that Discraft made 15 years ago. I don't think they make it anymore, but that's okay, because I've got 12 of them in a box. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, it was super great. I remember when uh, Blizzard Drivers came out, mm-hmm. and that was the best thing, because all of a sudden there were, like, wide-wing actual, like, distance drivers mm-hmm. in 150 plastic because I had just been throwing like fairway drivers because that was all that came in 150 and that was a game changer for me when I got like to throw a 150 destroyer oh man mm. it was the best thing <laughs> <laughs> so I've got I've got like some some blizzard drivers in my yeah. bag like a blizzard a blizzard destroyer and a blizzard katana and then um like a 150 nuke and then uh I really like the 150 T-Birds, and mm-hmm. then I throw mm, a Buzz and a Meteor for mm-hmm. mid. Also a Storm, which is another antiquated Discraft <laughs> disc. And then I putt with APXs, um, the the Swirl Plastic APXs, yeah. which is super, super old. Wow. Um, yeah, most, most of my bag is just like... Uh, it's it's like if you had a museum of <laughs> disc golf, <laughs> you could put my bag in the museum as an exhibit. <laughs> That's so cool, though. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, so you it's met- hard when people are like wanting to know what I throw so that they can try it, and sure. I'm like, well. I don't know, man. Like, yeah. I'm sure that there's a, a disc that is currently in production that corresponds <laughs> to this. I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh. uh, so you mentioned being in school. Are you still in school or are you done now? Man, I'm going to be in school for the rest of my life. Right on, right on. So that <laughs> so, whole veterinary thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I did four years of undergrad and then I did four years of vet school mm. and I became a veterinarian. And then apparently I decided that was not sufficient quantities of school. (laughs) And so I am now at 
Ohio State University and I'm doing a PhD and a residency. So like I'm being employed as a veterinarian. Like I do actually have a job now, which is super neat. (laughs) But also like I'm still technically in school. I'm not taking classes anymore because I'm at the point in my PhD where I don't have to do that. Um, But like I qualify as a student. Gotcha. And that's going to go on for at least another two years. Wow. Okay. So how does that... I'm really hoping after that I'm done with school. Right. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so how does all of that kind of affect your your next disc golf plans? Do you have anything that you're planning to do differently or just keep on, keep it on? It looks like you do a lot of mostly local tournaments and things like that. Yeah. um, I kind of, like when I I graduated high school, I had a, a brief moment where I was like, I could go on tour like I could just go pro and go on tour and ditch this whole veterinarian concept (laughs) um but I I decided not to for better or worse I mean I really love what I'm doing now so I think it was the right call but um it definitely I mean it significantly hampers my ability to like travel even like as an amateur like going to like beaches and stuff that I want to go play it sure it's really you know you gotta factor in the the fact that you have to be back on Monday because you have an experiment that's running yeah, and you can't miss it. (laughs) Um, and I, I don't know. I think like when I'm, I think when I am graduated, I say when and not if in a, (laughs) in a moment of optimism, I think when I am graduated, uh, and have like a big kid job, Mm um, I, I still think probably I'm just going to end up playing local stuff. Sure. Um, but there's, there's, you know, there's stuff that it'd be really fun to like go travel, you know, to like one or two big tournaments, mm-hmm. you know, like I've never played the glass blown open and I think yeah. that'd be really fun to do yeah. um, stuff like that. And I, I don't know, it's definitely going to be like a play it by ear and sure. see what kind of a job I get. And if they'll let me take vacation and how much and, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, right right now my life is just I know that I'm I know that I'm here for 2 years and things are going to be pretty static and then sure. after that who who knows. Right, yeah. Well, as a disc golf fan, I'd love to see you out there more, but also as an animal <laughs> lover, I'm me and all the animals I'm are very thankful <laughs> that you're doing the good work that you're doing. So <laughs> Well, Kelsey, this has been really delightful. Um, thank you so much again for taking some time to talk to me about disc golf and absolutely best of luck to you out there. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And that's our show. Thank you again so much to Kelsey Brackle. Thank you all for listening. Thank you as always to DZ Discs, where the disc you see is the disc you get and new customers can use the code guitar at checkout and receive a discount. Have a absolutely fantastic week. Get out and play some disc golf, watch some disc golf, and we'll catch you here next time on the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. <laughs>